Good morning. This is a gift-giving season, and gifts that are unconditionally guaranteed are especially precious and priceless. Nothing more frustrating than a gift that doesn't work as advertised when the warranty is out of date or doesn't apply to the specific thing that happened to the thing that you opened that doesn't work. We're going to look at three of God's gifts that are unconditionally guaranteed. We'll be looking at them, and this morning we're going to talk about rest. Growing up, Christian Christmas wasn't a time that, in my family, that we associated with rest. By and large, by far, Christmas was the best day of the year. And then you get out of school, and then you'd count the days before Christmas comes, and and then it get to be Christmas Eve, and you think that tonight's going to be the night, and I'm going to go to sleep, and then I'm going to wake up in the morning, and it's very hard to get to sleep. In my house, I had a hard time getting to sleep. And I didn't sleep very long, because here's the way it worked in my house. It was a two-story house, and if you could get down the stairs, doesn't matter what time it was. So you go to sleep, wake up, doesn't matter what time it is, two, three in the morning, if you can get down the stairs, gifts are fair game. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. My mother has the most acute sense of hearing that has ever been established and and the stairs creak. So I'm the one, I, I, I think, looking back, that I'm the one that, that got up before anyone else, and that was, that was kind of providential because my bedroom was right at the top of the stairs. And so here's what you had to do. So you had to sit on the top stair, and carefully put the weight on your hands. Move your butt down to the next, the next, and then very slowly. And that was one step. And then you had to do, and, and then the next one, and very carefully. It, most of the time, you get halfway down. I don't know why this was so, and Michael, get back up into bed. And, uh, um, love Christmas. Gifts, and when we think about gifts that are unconditionally guaranteed, things that God gives, they apply, and rest is one of them. Um, before we can know what rest is, we know what we need to know what burden is. This is Mount Taishan in China. The second year I was there, we went to Mount Taishan. This is called the Gate to Heaven. Uh, what ends up happening? You walk up this place, and it's considered to be a sacred journey. And this is this is what it looks like when you're going up. So you're Walk with me. We're trudging up. It's really hot. They're with middle school students. And so we have to watch out for the middle school students who are walking up the stairs. And we are sweating and we're taking breaks. And all of a sudden, this is what we see. Two guys like this carrying 
huge loads up the side of the mountain. And so you look at yourself, and you're carrying maybe a backpack. This guy goes tooling by with all these things on his shoulders. This is burden. It's a burden born to the point of exhaustion. This is burden. And what rest is, I think that's an issue of rest. This looks like a more manageable load, and they're carrying it together. That's rest. Burden is a is a weight born to the point of exhaustion. Rest is not something that you're given. It's something that's taken. When that unbearable load is replaced with a more bearable one, that's rest. Jesus talked to people whose lives felt like this. Uh, They were so busy doing things that when they thought about God, they thought about how tired they were. They had a lot to do as they walked up the stairs to get to heaven. When you grew up in a Jewish home, there were different levels of education. And all the levels of education had to do with this. This is a Bible. This is a Hebrew Bible about that thick. The thing about a Hebrew Bible is, interestingly, you don't, this is the cover, but you don't start here. The weird thing about is that the first page of the Bible is in the end. And so what you do when you're reading Hebrew, you read it from right to left, back to front. And this was the book that you had to deal with in um, when you went to school in a Jewish community, um, there were three levels. The first level was called House of the Book. Children were taught the first five books of the Bible. That's about this far right here. It's about 319 pages in this Bible. They were taught that, and they went to school five days a week, beginning at age six until they were ten years old. And what they had to do was memorize. In Hebrews, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, between age six and age ten. That was elementary school. Then uh, most concluded their formal education at this point and then learned the family trade. Fishing, carpentry, whatever. If you were good enough, you went to the house of learning. This was between age 10 and age 14. And this is where you memorized the next section of the Bible, which is of 1,114 pages in this one. And you memorized that. And that was the rest of the Old Testament. If you did that well enough, then at age 15... You were invited, again, if you had a very keen mind and if you worked very hard, you could sit at the feet of a rabbi and you could learn the scriptures from this person, the rabbi or the teacher. Privilege was offered to very few people. And the the job of a disciple was to become like the rabbi in every way, in every way. You sat at his feet. And what they could see if you walked If you were in Jerusalem, there was a rabbi leading 
a group of disciples, and if he was limping, guess what they were doing? They were limping as well. You did everything the way the rabbi did it. You agreed to take on his beliefs and his interpretation of the scriptures. You learned to see God the way he did, to believe the way he did. This was called putting on the yoke of the rabbi, putting on the yoke, learning to see God as he saw him, learning the scriptures as he learned the scriptures. What Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And he said, my yoke is easy. Uh, Jesus said that his yoke is easy. And I think he's talking as a rabbi would talk to his disciples. Again, we're going to have to look at that. Because if you know anything about Jesus' disciples, they didn't have an easy life, did they? In what way could you say his yoke is easy? We'll answer that question. But what Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and he says, I will give you rest. And we remember that picture on Mount Taishan. Burden is a burden born to the point of exhaustion. And rest is a reasonable load. This is what Jesus said he would give his disciples. Rest doesn't mean that you don't do anything. What does it mean? That's what Jesus said. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Um, the yoke is what a disciple took on as the student of a rabbi, but it's also the image is of what oxen. Well, Travis, come on up. And Chris, I'm going to give an illustration of kind of how a yoke would work. Right down on the floor, you guys. Okay, let's see, Travis, Chris, how does this work? Go ahead, Travis. Travis is the lead animal. <laughs> okay. is another form of burden. It's when you're hooked in a yoke to a leader who is not sensitive, who is forceful, not considerate, harsh. Let's see it again. Let's see another illustration of yoke. Go ahead. Do you know what rest is about? It's not just what he commands, but how he commands it. What he asks is not easy. But he asks gently, and he commands 
gently. That's what Jesus says. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, not because you get to recline your whole life, but because you walk next to someone who leads the way and he is gentle and lowly in heart. He is considerate. He doesn't run ahead. He doesn't assume that you know more than you know. He is very wise when you enter the yoke. And what's really what he says, come, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know what he's offering you? To walk next to him. To become his disciple and him as your rabbi. To learn to see God as he sees him. That's what we find in the New Testament. We see God through Jesus' eyes. He is your rabbi. And you are his disciples. And we are, we are to take his yoke upon us. He is the lead animal. He is gentle and lowly in heart. He does not run ahead. He does not lag behind. And that's why walking next to him, if you understand what he's like, it doesn't feel burdensome, even though there's some things to do. Again, it's not how, it's, it's not what he asks, but how he asks it. He is, that's what he says. I am gentle and lowly in heart. This, as far as I'm, as far as I'm aware, is the only self-description that Jesus gives us of himself. This is it. What is Jesus like? He's gentle and lowly in heart. He's not arrogant. He's not pushy. He's not forceful. He is someone that when you understand him correctly, that you want to walk beside. And that's what Christmas is about. Him as our rabbi. Him as the one who leads us through life. Um, you say, okay, that's good. What's our part? Is there anything we've got to do? There is something. And here's what it says. It talks about some who were given good news. Uh, would you agree that this is good news? Is this good news to have Jesus as a rabbi, Jesus as the one who, in, with whom we are yoked? Here's what it says. Um, the message they heard, and it's talking about other individuals who were given good news, was of no value to them. Was, wasn't any value. Why would good news not have any value? That's a really important question, isn't it? I mean, for us, we have good news, and it's saying good news can be of no value. How does that work? Because we want something that's unconditionally guaranteed. Okay, how can this, okay, Mike, yeah, how can this thing not benefit me? What it indicates here, and this is what it says scripturally, the message they heard was of no value because those who heard did not combine it with faith, don't mix it with faith. This could mean one of two things, and I think it probably means both. It means those who heard didn't benefit because although they heard it, they didn't believe it. Good news does not benefit you if you don't believe it. That's why... 
in terms of what we're supposed to keep in our minds, I think good news is what we're supposed to keep in our minds. If you believe good news, then you get rest. What's good news? Well, I'd indicate God's commitments are good news. His promises are good news. We make a lot of room for God's commandments. We tend not to make room for his commitments. That's upside down. Rest comes from keeping his commitments in mind, keeping his promises in mind, making room for them. You know what ends up happening is you make room for his commitments. You start to believe good news, and you know what ends up happening? You start to experience rest. The burden does not feel as heavy. You don't feel like that guy walking up the side of the mountain. You feel like you're walking with someone rather than alone. Isn't that the greatest experience of burden, isolation, loneliness? There is a double-sided yoke, and Jesus occupies one side, and he invites you to take the other side and walk through life with him. Do you believe that? How about making room for it? Good news. That's where rest comes from, believing good news. Um, that's what it says. Now we who have believed enter that rest. That's what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus coming to be a rabbi and to be the one with whom we walk through life. Rest and belief does not come all of a sudden. It's gradual, progressive. But again, it comes from making room for good news, for promises. That would be my encouragement to you. God promises rest. Rest doesn't come from the absence of things to carry. Rest comes from carrying a manageable load. And it comes from carrying it with one who is gentle. You say, what should we do with this? Um, you know, remember what I said when I talked about those who heard didn't benefit them, they didn't mix it with faith? There was one more thing about that. It could either be those who heard did not mix their hearing with faith, but I think probably more what it's saying in the context, those who heard did not mix with people who had faith. They stayed alone. They stayed isolated. And what it seems to be indicating, rest is not just something between you and Jesus. It's us and Jesus. It's mixing with individuals who have faith. All of us get tired at times, and we come to one another's aid. I think we're supposed to walk through life together, and that's what the writer of Hebrews indicated, that they didn't mix it with faith or they didn't mix with people who had faith. He's saying, what's this? Wherever you go, if you go to a place that you hear good news, my encouragement, keep going there. Those of you who come here, if this is a place of good news, what I'm going to ask you to do is keep coming back. You say, why would I do that? Because you'll make room for good news. And as you make room for that, we talk about it all the time, every week. 
you'll start to believe it more deeply. As you believe it more deeply, you will experience a deeper sense of, say it with me, rest. Father, thanks for your um, good news and for the offer of rest. I'd ask that you would continue to allow us to understand what the news is and help us to make room for it and help us to believe it because we who believe into that rest, you don't ask us to do that alone. We get to walk through life with Jesus and with others who are trying to walk with him. So thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. As Devin said, Merry Christmas.